This is a very interesting um, vantage point. I've never sat and preached like this before. <laughs> uh, welcome to church and a special welcome to those who are with us for the first time. Um, uh, yeah, a big welcome to you. We want to uh, make sure you feel um, a real connection tonight. A special welcome to visitors and I notice a few uh, people I haven't seen for a while, Sharon Table, where are you over there? <laughs> welcome from Queensland and um, the Newtons are over there, I haven't seen you for a while, welcome from <laughs> the northern part of the state. Uh, it's great to be in church and tonight we've got a two for one deal going um, and uh, so you get two preachers for the price of one and uh, we're very blessed to have Dorothy Roberts with us tonight. Give her a big clap. Dorothy is our Generations Minister. Yeah, without the S, I'll just take one generation at a time. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to have you with with us and it's always better together. Hmm. Um, This morning we started a series, a very uh, brand new uh, sermon series called Paul and Co. And we've got this slide up here. Uh, Isn't that great? Um, the, the Paul and Co look very much like some of the people in our church. Um, yeah, excellent job. Uh, we've got some very creative people. Um, this series is all about the life of Paul the Apostle um, and some of the significant relationships in his life. Um, and we're going to um, look at one of those significant relationships in his life tonight, that of Barnabas. And we're particularly looking at uh, the, the discipling or the training of Paul, because Paul didn't end up, didn't start out where he ended up. He started somewhere else. So who was Paul? Uh, Paul the apostle. If you've been around church, you would have heard the name. You read, read his books, but if you're not familiar with this Christianity thing, you might not be familiar who, with who Paul is. Uh, Paul, we know, was once called Saul. He didn't start out as Paul. He was from a place called. Tarsus, and he was trained as a Pharisee. Pharisees were very zealous people of God, uh, very religious, um, and they had, they had it in for Jesus. Um, they weren't, um, Jesus wasn't popular for the Pharisees, and Paul was one of those people. And he actually hated Christians. That's where he started. He hated them and their message about Jesus so much that he set out to destroy the church. Uh, by throwing them in jail and even by killing them. But instead, Jesus got a hold of his life. And Saul was dramatically um, converted to Christianity. His life was so transformed um, big time that he immediately started preaching the good news about Jesus, straight away. But what follows for Saul is a remarkable journey of discipleship and disciple-making where he becomes Paul the Apostle. Saul became Paul. It includes multiple missionary journeys, travelling all around different countries. He plants and helps to grow churches all over the place and multitudes of people start following Jesus. And he is persecuted for his faith. Then he writes some letters uh, to some churches and some individuals that we're still reading 2,000 years ago, uh, 2,000 years later. (laughs) Uh, and he's in prison and eventually killed for his faith in Jesus. That was the life of Paul in 25 words or less. <laughs> um, he penned some of these words 
that tell us a lot about Paul's journey. Listen to these. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. How about that? I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty, said Paul. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Wouldn't you like to have that? Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living or in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The words of Paul. Paul also said, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. He also said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Their words from Paul. So what a transformation. He's come from Saul um, to Paul. It's really an extraordinary story. And Dorothy, we've been watching the Olympics. I'm going to change um, topic a, a little bit. Some of us have been watching the Olympics over the last couple of weeks. Who's been watching the Olympics? A few of us. And we've marvelled at the skills and discipline of some of these amazing um, athletes like our hometown girl, Ariane Titmus. Big cheer for Ariane. Uh, from my other hometown girl, Emma McKean from Wollongong, um, champion. Uh, Patty Mills. Yes, some basketball fans. What about Nicola McDermott? Who watched that? Uh, Nicola actually spoke here a couple of years ago. And we know that none of these athletes um, got to these levels of, of skill overnight or just by hopping in the pool or just by stepping on the court. Um, it took something. Mm. And when we think about the, the story of Paul and, 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 and Paul becoming, starting at Saul the Pharisee and becoming Paul the Apostle, <laughs> how does that happen? It's remarkable. It is, isn't it? And um, there's the famous story of um, Saul's uh, trip to Damascus and um, an encounter. We know about that. But that wasn't the end of the story. Um, You know, the, the other apostles, they didn't want to know Saul. That Everyone was afraid of him. But Barnabas was the one who took Saul and started to introduce him around and and vouch for him, basically. And um, I've heard those people called people of peace, that God provides for us people of peace who prepare the way for ministry to happen. And that's exactly what Barnabas was. And I think it's fascinating when you find out, like, there's 10 years between the Damascus incident and where we see um, Paul back on the scene with Barnabas in Antioch. So, you know, there's a lot that happens over 10 years that he's working on and learning how to be um, a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Um, I sometimes wonder what, uh, what Paul would have been or what um, the start of the, the early church would have been if Barnabas had not been on the scene. Maybe we'd be uh, reading the epistles from Bartholomew or 
Nathaniel or someone else, um, maybe we'd have St. Bartholomew's Cathedral instead of St. Paul's Cathedral. Um, it's quite a, a remarkable um, uh, impact that Barnabas had on Paul's life. And I, and I, look, at, um, I look at that story and, and um, they're mentioned in the same breath. It was always um, Barnabas and Saul yeah. or Paul and Barnabas. It actually occurs 32 times in the yeah. same sentence. Yeah. Saul and Barnabas, yeah. Barnabas and Paul. Yeah. Um, so it was really significant. What, what, what did that look like for Paul and Barnabas? Um, what was that role like for Barnabas? Yeah, well, um, it's interesting to find out that, you know, actually Barnabas and um, Saul were likely to have been sort of students together because they both, um, Barnabas actually studied um, in the Pharisaic tradition and under the same school of um, Galilean. Um, so they, they knew each other as students. And um, Barnabas's name is actually Joseph. His Barnabas means son of encouragement. Now, I think it's fair to say that Paul isn't winning a lot of popularity contests. <laughs> so I think, you know, God really knows who we need to balance us out. Yeah, yeah. So he puts a really kind of in-your-face Paul with a Barnabas, who's son of encouragement. We need those encouragers, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I think it's significant um, to see that Barnabas was really about finding the right people for the right role. And it, it, he just was all about, he saw a need and he thought, ah, you know, Paul could really, could really help here. And he puts him in the right place and he opens the right doors for him and then we see Paul grow in his leadership. And in actual fact, um, in the very beginning, we see that Barnabas comes first. Yes. And then later, it's Paul who comes first. And it reminds me of John the Baptist. He talks about, you know, people say, what about this Jesus bloke? He's getting more followers than you. And John says, but I have to become lesser yeah. so that he can become greater. And I think you see that tradition in Barnabas as well. Yes. We, um, we don't read about uh, Paul going through a, a seminary training or reading a really good scroll or anything like that to become a disciple. It was, it was none of that. It seemed to be this relational kind of training. It's almost um, training. the opposite. Yes. Because he was already trained. Yes. He was already trained and was so off track in his pursuit of the kingdom that he had to have a radical change to be able to actually do kingdom good and learn this relational um, love of God. You know, he just hadn't really experienced that love of God until he had his encounter with Jesus. And I think Barnabas was so relational that that was really important for Paul to to learn a lot more about how to do that. Yes. Because that's what being a follower of Jesus is about. It's, it's being really relational. That's who we see him to be. Yes. Um, when I look at this story, um, 
the story of Paul and Barnabas is very much about um, winning and making disciples. Mm. Uh, and it brings me back to the words um, that Jesus' words in the Great Commission. Mm. And, he, and Jesus, uh, we read um, that all authority um, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and be disciples, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Mm. Well, it doesn't actually say that. Um, it says, therefore, go and make disciples, <laughs> not be disciples. Make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. Mm. This concept of uh, disciple making mm. uh, really challenges our idea of what it means to be a disciple and um, We've been doing some training this year about that and um, it seems to add another dimension to what being a disciple is all about. Mm. Um, so is this something just for the original disciples? or Was it just for Paul and Barnabas? Or is it just for those who are called to ministry? What's this disciple-making thing all about? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a good question, isn't it? That's where um, followers of Jesus start wriggling in their seats. <laughs> um, and, yeah, there's the Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and it is at the ends of the earth, it's here. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's a big challenge for us. And, you know, if Jesus came, yes, to die on the cross to, make, um, to take the punishment for our sins, but if that was it, then he would have been like, okay, guys, job's done. Off he goes. But he was around for 50 days after that. Yes. Why? Because he needed to launch a movement. He was, he was here not just for that job, but to launch a movement which would share the story of who he was and what he had done. And it's testament to that movement that, that we are sitting here today and... Um, that you are sitting here today and maybe you're here because you're interested to know more. So, you know, the journey starts as, a, as a, somebody who maybe something's happening in your life and you think this isn't right, things aren't going well or things aren't the way you expected them to be or you just realise that there is something that you are looking for it starts that way for all of us. And yeah. then you have an encounter. You experience something that makes you wonder about who this Jesus is and is he someone that is real and then start on a journey. And if you have that opportunity and you meet Jesus in your own life, in your own experience, then you love who he is. Yeah. He's just the most compassionate guy and changed the world radically. Um, so that's the journey towards being a disciple. 
and then making a decision and saying, you know what, I, I'm, yep, I believe that this is so, I'm going to really commit to finding out how to learn more about who he is. And then from that point where you make a decision and you invite Jesus in, you actually need to be baptised. Yeah. That's the next step. Because you'll notice in that Acts 1, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So, you, so baptism is about that confession of faith, being baptised in Jesus' name and having a full um, receiving of the Holy Spirit in order that you can go out and be powered by that Spirit. Jesus said, it is better for you that I go yes. in order that the helper could come. That tells you how important it is to have that Holy Spirit coming into your life to help you be able to do God's work. And then you want to go out and share. And I know we've got people in the room who've had a radical encounter and they've gone out and want to share what they've experienced. That's natural. Yes. That's, that's the way it should be for us. It's, um, I, I know in my own Christian journey, it, sometimes it's a battle just to um, be a disciple and uh, we can get very introspective and, and it can be all about our journey but uh, this kind of helps us to look out you know it's more than just being Jesus centered it's it's others focused as well we've got to look beyond our space and if it was just for me that idea of being a disciple maker is really hard um, in my own power um, you know when I think about the disciples before um, the death and resurrection and Holy Spirit. Um, they were cowardice. They were very meek and mild. Mm. Um, and then um, crucifixion happened, resurrection happened, um, Pentecost happened, and they speak out boldly. Yeah. Um, there was a radical boldness about mm. how they became um, disciple makers. Yeah. And Jesus said to them, Wait. He didn't say, go out and on your way, the Holy Spirit will find you, which of course he can. Yes. <laughs> he said, wait. Why? Because he knew they needed the Holy Spirit. It needed to be a radical event. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's so important for us. Yeah. Um, I'm going back to, the re to reference those amazing Olympians again. Uh, with their incredible skills and, and achievements. But it's taken years. Um, it's taken hours and hours each day of training and incredible discipline uh, to be that kind of athlete. So when I think about what it takes to be this kind of disciple, a disciple maker, um, how does one train to be a disciple maker? Yeah, well, um, we've got a really cool acronym that um, in, in a course that I was privileged to be part of called Shift M2M and um, there's a, a group of us going through that course this year. It's the foundations you can remember through Holy Spirit power and I think we've got that We've got that slide. Slide. Just so that about to pop helpful. up. Yep. Um, and the HS is for Holy Spirit Holy Spirit dependence and the power is P for prayer, 
O is for obedience to the kingdom agenda. W is for word of God. E is for exalting the Father. That just means really um, honouring him and recognising his place. Um, Sandy put it really beautifully, like he's big and we're little. (laughs) That's exalting the Father. And relationships that are intentional. So um, they're great spiritual foundations that we want to develop. Now, what I want to say is you don't have to be like the athletes that, like, I've got to train for four years in order to be ready for the Olympics for that one moment. No, it's not like that. Because if you're Holy Spirit dependent, you can start straight away. And God will show you. And that's what I love. It sounds big, doesn't it? You know, like we read about Paul and Barnabas, but they are just like you guys. So where, where did this idea of Holy Spirit power come from? Where did we first see that being demonstrated, that kind of relationship with God? Well, you, you look at Jesus and yeah. how he did everything. He was led by the Holy Spirit and it talks about that he was full of the Spirit and that the, there was power coming off him. That's... Um, the Holy Spirit. He was always exalting the Father. He says, nothing that I say, I say in my own right. Everything I say comes from the Father. He was always exalting the Father. He was always found in prayer in the big moments. He was in prayer after the big moments. He was in prayer. He was so obedient, even to the point where he in the Garden of Gethsemane is sweating blood because of what he knows he has to do in being crucified and saying, if this cup can be taken, but not my will, but yours. It's amazing when you look at his life. He was so in the word. He used it all the time to um, just power him and his responses to people it amazes me how steady he was. You know, when the crowd want to take him and make him king, you know, if you have a leadership role or you're in a, in a situation where you can see things are going really horribly wrong in a crowd and it's getting swept up and you feel a, a level of responsibility of leadership, that is stressful, but you don't see that in him because yeah. he always knew that God had it. Yeah. He's amazing. So there's a, there's a great example there um, for us in that life. And through the apostles, you see it as well. Yeah. So he set out to make disciples or fishers of men yep. uh, with the disciples, and his discipleship training was that relational... Totally life on life, life wasn't it? Uh, role modelling that kind of life that they should live um, in those things that we see in that um, that little uh, slide. Can we just bring that slide up again, please, Jonathan? I want to come back briefly to a couple of those, Dorothy. Um, Holy Spirit dependence. When I read um, about Paul and Barnabas, uh, there are a number of times that it talks about that connection with the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit sent them or spoke to them or uh, spoke through them or ministered through them. The Holy Spirit was um, certainly a, part, a big part, that Holy Spirit dependent. How does that happen for us? How does Holy Spirit dependence 
happen for us? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Um, well, you need to be baptised. You need to actually make a confession of faith publicly yeah. to be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, yeah, you need to be wanting to hear from the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I'd been a Christian for a very long time and didn't really understand much about Holy Spirit or it was really when I stepped into ministry and really started to realise that, oh, I, I've got a sensation. I can feel when the Holy Spirit is, is present with me. He's there all the time. But um, I do get sensations and yeah. I pray daily that the Holy Spirit will lead me and prompt me and that I will be responsive. It's, it's not hard, but it is intentional. Yes. It is intentional. Yeah. And, you know, examples of... It's simple stuff. Like, somebody came to mind a couple of weeks ago and I actually didn't do anything about it. And then two days later, I get a phone call from somebody asking me if I'd been in touch with that person I'd yes. thought of. It's funny you'd say that. that. That person came to mind this week and there's stuff going on and, it, you know, I said, well, if you could get in touch, that would be great. Yes. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, like I missed it. And then it was like God going, hello, you missed the prompting. Yes. <laughs> but you've just got to be really open to it. I reckon God's always trying to talk to us. Always. Uh, through his Holy Spirit. And, and it goes back to that waiting thing and actually being open to hear. Yeah. Because um, I don't always hear, but I, don't, I think he's always trying to say something to me. And I think if someone's exploring... One of the best tips I could say is asking the question, you know, God, if you're real, would you just show me? Yes. It's such a good prayer because the number of people who've prayed that and then God shows up. Yeah. And he, and he knows each of us so well. He knows our love languages. He knows how to get our attention. That's a great prayer. If you're just wondering about this God. If you already know who he is, then, you know, pray that you would be aware of the Holy Spirit because that is your helper. Yeah. And if you're not tuned into it, then you're, not, you're missing out. Yes. Mm. Uh, what about obedience to a kingdom agenda? That's a, obedience is a funny <laughs> word that we don't like to say too often. Um, <laughs> And we certainly see Paul and Barnabas being obedient, yes. um, and God did amazing things through them. It was a, an incredible adventure that they went through, but it, there was a cost to obedience yeah. for them. Uh, what does a, obedience to a kingdom agenda mean for us? Yeah. Um, I pulled out Luke 6, verses 46 to 48. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. And I think that is compelling for people who call on Jesus, who say they follow, but 
don't do what he says. And what he says is challenging. So when someone is really rude to me or does something really mean to me, I am called to forgive. So I actually have to do it. I have to walk that and it's tough. Yes. Because nobody goes through life without somebody upsetting them. Yes. And sometimes we meet people who don't mean us well and we're called to walk that journey. And um, it's hard to obey, you know. I was a teacher, an educator, and I loved my career, and I was called by God to come out of that and come and minister at Door of Hope. And that was the moment. It was like, okay, I know what I'm being asked to do, Am I going to be obedient or not? Yes. And there is a cost, but I will also say, when you pay the cost, what you find out on the other side is there is more benefit than what you paid going into it. I agree. Mm. I really, I just want to come back to um, the relationships that are intentional uh, as we finish. Um, And uh, the Barnabas-Paul thing was very intentional relationship. Um, they might not have known, but God certainly had that intention for them to be connected. Um, and I'm interested in a, in a concept that we talk about, life on life. Mm. Uh, what is that and how does that fit with this? Oh, I think that's the beauty of it because when, when you follow and you've, you've made your decision, it's, it's no more difficult than loving the people who are in and around your network. Yes. And that includes, you know, the people at the supermarket and yes. wherever you come across people, being love to those people. Yes. Actually listening to what's being said to you, being very present with people. You know, I think Jesus was very present with people and we don't experience that very often. So, yeah, definitely that um, knowing that we need to actually care about the people that are around us, even people who are being a little bit tricky to get along with, especially those people. We need to be very caring and compassionate and take time in our conversations to listen, to care. If you have an opportunity, share. And if it's what you think is right, pray. Yeah. Pray for people who need it. Um, relationships either side of salvation, um, those who don't know him, those who do know him, really matter. Yeah. It makes a difference for us to be really connected to people, um, whether they know Jesus or not. Yeah. Because we all need one another to grow. That's the best environment for us to grow as Disciple makers. Yeah. Um, well, we've run out of time, um, and it's been really great to talk to you. I, I really felt like God uh, wanted to say that um, whether you realise it or not, God want, wanted you to be here tonight, mm. um, and um, that He wants you to know our relationship with Him. And, and uh, this is a really good opportunity to think about 
where you are at with God. Yeah. Uh, what's your relationship with God like? Do you know him? Do you know what it is to be a disciple? Um, do you um, know what it is to be a disciple maker? Because um, there's a difference. We can be a disciple, but we, can, we should be disciple makers. Um, so I want you to consider, um, we're going to take communion in a, in a moment, and um, I really want us to consider as we take communion, where are we at? Where are you at with Jesus? Um, this is what it's all about. He's what it's all about, and he wants, he desires a relationship with you. Um, he wants to walk with you. He wants to do life with you every day. And he's given us a helper. He's given us the Holy Spirit that Dorothy's talked about, uh, who is always with us. He's the one who wants to um, help us to do this life uh, with him. Mm. Um, so I want you to know that. We, um, Dorothy and I both want you to know what it is to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and if you're not sure and you want to know more, it's worth knowing. Um, it's not just the Pauls and, and Barnabases in life that have that adventure. It is an adventure for all of us. Um, and you can know it. You can know Jesus and follow him and it's worthwhile. Um, but there's more. Um, and it takes a whole of life to know that. Let's just pray and um, we're going to take communion very shortly. Father God, thanks for... All that you've done in our life, that you, um, uh, you want to have an encounter with us, uh, you want to have relationship with us, and you made that possible. Uh, Lord, we want uh, and desire for everyone here to know who you are and to know you as Lord and Saviour of their lives. Lord, we want them to know a daily walk with you and what it is to be a disciple and disciple maker. Oh, we want to get on this adventure that is Christianity uh, and being a follower of Christ. So I pray that you would speak to us, speak into us and speak through us. And we thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dorothy.